There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I was, I was asked to lead Birmingham Pride during the protest. I was 19. On that day, a young person ran up to me you know, gave me a big hug and it was an ex-pupil, you know, and it's those kinds of moments that you think, yes, this is it, you know, it's, it's so important that we are role models for young people. Children in schools have got to see that there are different people, there are different people and it's okay. And, and if anybody is struggling with their sexuality in school, because some kids are going to be gay, aren't they? They need to know that that's all right and they're, they're not alone. Visibility, you know, it's so important, isn't it? Some families have two mums and some families have two dads. There are countless iterations of a family and we are here. Hello, it is Some Families, your one-stop shop podcast for all your queer parenting qualms, queries and queer questions. Whoa. My name is Stu, hello, and I'm here with the beautiful, dynamic, glamorous, <laughs> wonderful Lottie. Hello. Hi Stu, God, thank you. I mean, the irony of those descriptive words is just beyond but thank you I'll take it I like to be jazzy in our intros Lottie no I, like I, like, I love it have a bit of flair I just don't know if dynamics <laughs> how I describe myself right now but nevertheless hello we're still here we're clinging on and welcome welcome as Stu said to some families Stu how are you what's been going on in your world this week I'm good the continued journey of my son's exploration into gender continued this week oh yeah so I've talked about him wearing his dresses which he loves I think I've talked about him his desire to marry his best friend at nursery so effectively coming out to me in a way he's three but this week he went even further and told me and my husband that he now wants to be our daughter he's like I don't want to be your son I want to be your daughter wow okay Where's this coming from? And, you know, it's just embracing him for who he is and it's another step in his little exploration that I feel he's doing right now. Did you, how, do you remember how you reacted when he said that to you? With happiness and laughter. And I think after the experiences we've had where I've talked about the challenges that I've internalised with him wearing a dress... And feeling that that's me projecting, not me projecting, but worrying that people may think that 
you know, it's me pushing our gay agenda on him and he's only wearing a dress because he's got two dads mm. um, who forced him to wear the sparkly Elsa dress, which I tell you, I would not. And, I, and I'll tell you something else. I sent you a picture of it, Lottie. He <laughs> went to a virtual disco the other week and dressed completely like a nana, a little cardigan, this like really horrible flowery dress he'd got from his sister. And was, was didn't like, he have oh, a bonnet God. on as well or something? It was like some hat. weird, yeah. I, I mean, I will honour his style, but honestly, if he wants to wear dresses, he needs to wear something a bit more glamorous. So <laughs> that's that's how it, that's where I've come to on it. And the fact he said he wants to be our daughter, you know what? If he does, he does. And it, it, maybe him just saying it right now, it may turn into something else. It may not. And even if it doesn't, I'm just I just love him. I'm more worried about the fact he's so accident prone. And I swear he's going to be the first. He's going to be the first of our children to be continuously like in hospital for like dislocations and broken legs and things when he gets to be a teenager. I'm sure that I'm more worried about. So <laughs> He's so lucky to have the two of you as parents, honestly. Oh, well, we're lucky to have him. Bless him. But how are you? How has your week been? Yeah, fine. Oh, it's been fine. I started a new job going back to Elle magazine where I used to work three years ago. I've gone back to do some maternity cover, actually. So it was really fun getting back into magazines. And it was just making me think what you were saying, Stu, about my my daughter as well and and how I'm realising the effect that the things that we say to her and repeat to her really do have on her. So it's just a reminder to anyone listening that you think kids aren't listening when you say things like everybody's different some families have two mums some families have two dads but it really is going in and so my daughter just said apropos of nothing mama some families have a mummy and a daddy and some families have a daddy and a dada and I have a mummy and a mama and just gave us a big hug and it was just such a wonderful moment she just you know how kids just pop out with things at the most random times and I was like, I'm so pleased that I've made the effort to actually be saying that narrative to her because it's it's starting to make sense to her. And I probably started saying it to her when she was very young and now it's just starting to make sense. Hopefully it will make the conversations that we then have about where she's come from and how she came into the world a bit easier because she she understands the, the diversity of families already. That's beautiful. I love that. We have a very inspiring guest today who is making changes for all of our children and also all of our families through his work in the education sphere. It's Andrew Moffat. So Andrew, for those who don't know, is Andrew Moffat MBE, may I just add. I know. He's a teacher in Birmingham and he's the author of a number of books and educational resources. He's maybe most famous for his No Outsiders programme, which is aimed at primary schools teaching diversity and tolerance to young children and presumably their parents and other teachers as well. So without further ado, it's Mr Andrew Moffat, MBE. So welcome, Andrew. I love everything that you do for No Outsiders. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners will know what you do as you are just brilliant at it. And I'm sure they will follow you on Twitter and everything like that. But for those who may not, can you give us a little bit of an overview of of what's your name? Where do you come from in perfect Scylla style? Okay, thank you, Stu. So my name is Andrew Moffat and I'm I'm a teacher. I've been assistant head at a Hartford Community School for about seven years. Now I'm PD lead at Excelsior Trust, which looks after Hartford Community School. And actually, since Christmas, I've been a full-time class teacher again for the first time in 
well, about six years. And I'm, it's just wonderful to be back in the classroom again full time because I think that's what, I, that's what I am. I am basically a teacher. Um, so I've got a year four class. I love them. You know, it's, it's a hard time at the moment in school to teach, but that's what we have to do. And it's so important that we are providing consistency and, you know, support at this time. So No Outsiders is a, um, a resource for schools, for primary schools, really. And uh, the aim is to teach children that the best thing about our world today is that we're all different, uh, but we can all get along. We can all be friends. The reason why I use the term No Outsiders is because a four-year-old can understand what it means to be left out and doesn't want to be left out. So if you're teaching children from four years old or from three years old that no one's left out here, it's very, very powerful and children can understand it. You've done incredible work for the community um, and as a teacher and you're in a, a powerful position because change really starts with education. So you're really there on the front line. So thank you from all of us for all the of the amazing work that you're doing that we'll come on to more. But could you tell us a bit more about how No Outsiders started and where the idea first came from? Yes, certainly. So No Outsiders originally was just an LGBT academic project. It was I was involved in it. It was in 2006-2008 and it was a University of Sunderland, it was like a research project and they asked 13 schools up and down uh, the UK just to be involved in this project. It was the first time that anyone had tried to do LGBT type work in primary schools because people were nervous about that, you know, are children too young and, you know, it was a different world really for even 15 years ago. But then after two years it just, it just it stopped, you know, there was lots of papers written during that time, this couple of books came out of it. But after that, the people that were involved in it were just sort of, you know, it was just it, what, what happens now. And so we just went back to our normal work. And so for the next few years, I carried on. I liked the term No Outsiders, but the difference at that time was it was just LGBT at that point. And then um, it wasn't until about 2013, 2014, so about five years after that project finished, that I had the first time I had difficulty in one, in, in a school about LGBT education. So basically, I then wrote No Outsiders as a new resource, but I changed it from just being LGBT to all equality, because I sort of realised that to teach about LGBT effectively in primary school, um, you really have to teach it in context. You know, you can't just have you know, gay lessons, basically. You know, you're not going to have like lessons about being black or lessons about being disabled or lessons about you know, being a girl, so why have a lesson about being LGBT? You know, you have lessons about equality and you and you use books that show children, people being different and you bring in ways that we're different and that includes having different families or being LGBT. When you first started way back, 15 years ago, you said, Andrew, was it? Yeah, yeah. So, so when you started 15 years ago, what was the reaction like from fellow teachers, from parents? Was there any negative reactions at that time? Well, it was from the Daily Mail. Daily Mail had, a, had, a, had, a, had an extreme reaction. They were talking about this was a project that was funded to teach five-year-olds about gay sex. And I can remember that being a headline. But actually, at a time, you know, the school I was in, it was in Coventry at a time. I was, I was just a, a normal teacher. And the staff were great, actually. I mean, we all of us were a little bit nervous because it was the first time that we'd ever done this. And you know, back in mind, you know, you do think, oh, are the children too young? Is it OK? You know, and obviously, and I wasn't out at that stage either. I came out in 2006, as, as in I wasn't out to my school. 
I was out to staff a lot of children. Yeah. So suddenly to do all this work and think, well, should I come out? Is it the right time to come out? But the school was brilliant, actually. The, the parents were great. They made a little film, actually, that we used for training at that time. I didn't actually have any problems. And then I decided I would move to Birmingham to a more diverse school. I deliberately came to Birmingham, inner city Birmingham, so I thought, well, if I can do it in Coventry, which basically my school wasn't very diverse in Coventry. So I thought, well, I'll come to a school which is more diverse and I wanted to find a way to make it work, you know, in a completely different setting. Actually, it worked fine, that school, until I came out. <laughs> it was fine when it was abstract. It's OK to be gay, but when I came out, suddenly it was like, oh, OK, but we don't really want to know a gay person. <laughs> and then that's when it all sort of, that's the first time it all sort of went wrong, really, for me. Could you t- tell us a bit more about that, if you don't mind? Firstly, yeah. I'm interested in how you come out to children as a teacher because there might be some people listening who are teachers in a school and who are thinking you know should I come out how do I do that and then also just a bit more about what happened at that school and and how it made you feel yes so I'll tell you how the first time I came out I'll tell you how this is I come out in three different ways in three different schools actually four different schools now so four different ways so the first time I came out the first time I did it was a and I really built up to it you know I was very nervous talked to all stuff about it because I didn't want it to be or everyone to be prepared, we were really prepared, the grant was like a massive deal, you know, that I was going to come out, everyone knew when I was going to do it, at what time, and, uh, you know, because I was so scared, you know, I I, I knew it was right, the head was fantastic, and it was just like, yes, it's good for the school, you should do it, but none of us knew any gay teacher was out to kids at that stage. I didn't know. I didn't know any gay teachers, actually, that were out. So anyway, well, so we sat, I sat with year five class. We sat in a field. It was a lovely summer day. I did it because I had a civil partnership. That's why I did it. I had a civil partnership in 2006. And I, and I just imagined coming into school on Monday and kids saying to me, as they often do, what do you do at the weekend? Or, you know, just and not, and, and not being able to say, I got married. I thought if I was straight, I would absolutely be saying. In fact, frankly, if I was straight, there'd be a big fuss about it in the assembly. I'd, I'd have a card, and you know. So I thought, what? Well, this is a good opportunity now to to show children that a man can marry a man. So, sat down with the children, and then I said, we're going to play a game called that. We're going to play the two lies and one truth game. We're going to go around the circle. I want everyone to think of three statements, and two of them are going to be lies, and one's going to be the truth, and we'll try and work out which one it is for each person. And I deliberately sat myself sort of quite near the end. And we went round and children were saying things like, I've got a pet tiger, I've got, I've been to the moon, I've got a brother called Jack. And it got to me, and I can remember the teacher at the time, in the class, because I, was, I wasn't their teacher, I sort of borrowed their class, the teacher was sitting in a circle. And she's a good friend of mine still now, it's called Sarah, and I remember her face going whiter and whiter as it got closer to me, because she knew what I was going to do. And we were both just terrified. I thought, I've got, I'm determined to do it. So I, when it got to me, I said, right, I said, I, I was born in Australia. I've got seven sisters. I'm getting married on Saturday. And someone said, oh, are you getting married? I said, yes, I am, to my partner, David. And there was a slight pause. And I said, OK, uh, your turn, the kid next to me. And they just carried on playing. And Sarah said that she heard a child say to someone next to him, is he gay? And he said, the child said, I think so, shh. <laughs> and that was it. That <laughs> I was, was surprised it. no one said, is his wife going to be called David? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But I can remember, you know, going to head and saying, I've done it, I've told him, I've told him. And him saying, great, lovely, have you done your marking? You know, like, he was just, he, he might have been worried, but 
it's really important. He wasn't modelling to me that he was worried. That was so important as a leader, as a manager, you know. And the next day, I was, you know, was convinced through, like, pitchforks at the gate, you know, and graffiti. There just wasn't. All teachers said at home time, kids come up to them to say, have you heard Mr Moffat's gay? And I said, we, we discussed as a staff team what to say. And I said, if kids say it, just say, yeah, I'm going to the wedding. Because they all were coming to the wedding. You know, so we just, we literally planned what everyone was going to say. And um, that's what everyone said. And, and that was that. So that was Brilliant. fine. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. And then in the other school where it didn't go so well, or perhaps yeah, uh, the aftermath wasn't. Yeah, it's a very different school. So I had a resource called Chips Challenging Homophobia in Primary Schools. It's a free resource on the internet. It was never published, and some schools were using it, and I was doing bits of training here and there about it. And it was just LGBT, like a resource, an LGBT resource. It was single issue. I was doing it in this school in Birmingham, and actually the head teacher had asked me not to do it. Uh, and the governors asked me not to do it. They felt that, you know, that the community wouldn't like it and that it wouldn't go down well. And I can remember, you know, and I have talked about this, so this, is, this is all in the public domain. I remember thinking, well, I'll show them, I'll prove them wrong, I'll do it anyway. Which is completely the wrong thing to do, because I really made myself very vulnerable by doing that. You know, at this day, I've I was, been told not to do it, and I just ignored that advice and did it anyway quietly on the side as part of that in that in that original resource there was no and I never talked to parents about it I never thought it was important to talk to parents I wasn't interested really in listening to parents at that stage I was quite arrogant about well you know the law's on my side why shouldn't I do it it's quite a naive stance actually and it's rude as well actually because no not all parents are on the same page you have to bring people with you and it was all working fine until I decided to come out. I decided that the time was right. I'd been there for three or four years. The kids were talk, saying, it's okay to be gay. So I thought, right, well, I'm going to let them know that they know a gay person. So I did it in assembly. So again, you know, oh, I mean, for goodness sake, <laughs> you know, it's the wrong place to do it. If any teachers are listening, do come out in school. It's great, but don't do it in an assembly. There's better ways to do it. <laughs> But, you know, you live and learn, don't you? So I did I did it because the year six class had done one of my lessons. They used a book called King and King. It's really nice. About two princes that get married. And they made a poster after it. And the poster said, like, gay is good. So I thought, right, I'll use that to come out in assembly. Because I, I, I used to, every Friday, as assistant head, I used to do a good work assembly. Well, I'll show this poster and I'll use it to come out. And I remember saying, well, this is nice. Gay is good. Oh, um, OK, so let's check it in our school. Is it OK, okay to be, or I don't know, is it OK to be black? I said, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They all going, yeah. I said, yes, black is good. OK to be white? I said, yeah, yeah, white is good. It's a big list, you know. OK to have glasses, OK to be Christian, OK to be Muslim. And I ended up by saying, is it OK to be gay? I said, yeah. I said, great, fantastic. I said, I'm gay. And this poster makes me feel really safe. So thank you, yes, it's all stick it up in the corridor. It was fine. There's no, no children really reacted. But... Definitely parents were troubled by that. And it's because I understand that there were reception kids in that hall. You know, it's a whole school thing. And as hadn't prepared the ground, it was a shock to people, really. You know, and um, letters came in. You're doing gay lessons. We didn't know about it. And it just was snowballed, really. There was a horrible public meeting, about 40 people, 50 people. I didn't go to it. I, I said I wouldn't go, but I waited outside for the head teacher who came out right as the street. She said it's the worst meeting she'd ever had. She said that the, the parents had asked for me to make a public apology for coming out. So I just said, right, you know, I'm just going to go. 
and that's okay. But I felt responsible that I'd, I'd handled it wrong, and you know it's my responsibility. So I just said, look, I I I, I will just go. I uh, think you're being really hard on yourself. I understand what I understand mm. what you're saying, but I'm listening to that, hearing a story of somebody who did something brilliant and brave and true to themselves. You're apologising for it, and I under I understand why, and I understand that you're being incredibly generous and empathetic I don't think I'd be able to have handled it as as gracefully as you did put it that way and how do you think you would have handled it like you say you regret doing it the way you did but how would you do you think you would have done it and but do you think the outcome would have potentially have been the same if those parents were that minded as they were well what I did next was went to a school that was 99% Muslim because Although when the first letter came in, in that first school in Birmingham, it was from a Christian parent. And I remember the letter said, I want my child to learn about different people, but he also needs to learn a correct way of life. So I <laughs> that's, that's what the line said. God. And although it came wow. from a Christian parent initially, it was then the, the, the Muslim community who, who, who were most vocal in that parent group about feeling threatened about this kind of work. So I felt that I need to go to a place where I can have most effect. I need to go to a place where I can, you know, get it right this time. Because this isn't, this isn't going away, is it? You know, so how do we work with people from different communities who are threatened by this? So I found this school, Parkfield School in Allen Rock in Birmingham. 99% Muslim, with assistant head role uh, that was advertised. And before I applied, I went to see the head teacher. Because I just said, look, this is what happened in my last school. I don't want to come here if I'm going to arrive and then you're going to say, no, you can't do it. So, you know, please don't appoint me if you know, I, I need to know now, are you OK with this kind of work? And Hazel Polly is a head teacher. She's absolutely brilliant. And she was like, well, this isn't the job that I'm, I'm advertised for, but I can see as part of your role, it's something that the school needs. And I think we can work. We can work with you on this. And so the way I did it then was com- was completely different. Uh, and the way we did it basically was, number one, you, you don't do the gay lessons. And I rewrote it as no outsiders, widening the scope. So it was not just lessons about LGBT. It was now lessons about race, religion, gender, using the Equality Act, you know, always in context. Because, you know, when you teach children, you need to teach them that all the qualities are there. But there's not one that's more important and also not one that's less important. They're all there and never. And you can't pick and choose ones that you like and ones that you don't like. So that's the first difference. And the second difference was you engage your parents from the start. And you don't start this work before you've got parents around the table and show them what you're going to do. You're not asking permission, but you're just engaging and showing here's what we're doing so that there's no surprises. And also educate parents about why this is important. So... That's what I did. I waited for six months before doing anything apart from just got myself into my role, waited for six months, and then I started slowly, slowly doing it. And the early meetings were, were very difficult because some people, many people in the community were saying to us, are you going to say it's okay to be gay? Because many parents, that was a huge tension. And people were saying to me, but in Islam it's forbidden. You know, so what do you do with that? Because you can't just say, well, that's wrong. <laughs> So I listened and we talked and, and they listened to me and we had like, I think, 11 meetings all together with parents. And in the end, there was one meeting where I remember it just clicked into place. It was a mum, I can picture her now. And she said, it's important that the parents know that you're doing this 
So they can teach the children the two sides. She says, here's our religion and here's the way the world is. And it's important that our children hear both views so they can put both views in their head and accept both views. And I suddenly thought, you know, that's actually it. That's how we do this. Because I'm not going to take on religious doctrine and say, you've got to change. But what we can say is, well, we can coexist. And a good example of how this works in practice is, I came out in Parkfield after a couple of years of doing No Outsiders because it worked fantastically. And I came out and to no reaction at all. It was absolutely fine. And I can remember driving the, some boys to a football match at Aston Villa and they were, we were chatting and uh, one of the boys said to me, can I ask you a question, Mr Moffat? It was very polite. He said, can I ask you a question? And I said, yes. And he said, why did you choose to be gay? And I said, oh, that's a great question. I said, I'll, I'll answer it by asking you a question. Why did you choose to have brown skin? And he said, I didn't choose to have brown skin. I said, I know, I didn't choose to be gay. It's just the way I am. And he said, can I ask you another question? He said, in mosques, they tell us that you can't be gay, but you say you can be gay. So which one is it? And I said, you're right. There's different ideas about this. And the best thing about living in the UK is that we can talk about these ideas. We can discuss and debate. And, you know, sometimes you might disagree, but we can still have respect for each other and we can still get on. That's what living in the UK is all about. And I still just I can't think of a better answer to that because... You know, what else am I going to say? Mosque isn't wrong, but I'm also not wrong. So what do we do? We coexist. And No Outsiders worked brilliantly for four years at Parkfield School with full support from the parents. We had open lessons every year, two per class, where parents came in and joined in lessons. And, and it just worked wonderfully. Outstanding at Ofsted, Global Teacher Award. You know, it just worked brilliantly until... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, I think it was, it was beautifully handled and I 
you know, I think the way that you've described what that parent said and then how you went on to, to answer that question to that boy is is really powerful, actually. And we are, you know, we are so lucky to live in a country where and in a society where we can debate these things. And like you say, there is always criticism, but how wonderful to, to have that. So then you mentioned December 2018. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so literally overnight everything caved in. It was really quite frightening how things can change so quickly because we had four years of no outsiders working wonderfully. I spent two weeks in Newcastle for the Home, the home Office funding a no outsiders project in Newcastle to counteract the EDL. Um, you know, so lots of you know, great stuff happening. Suddenly in uh, November, December 2018, the RSE guidelines came out from the government guidelines about teaching sex and relationships education and there's actually nothing controversial in RSE at all really it just puts in stone for the first time that family schools need to think about we need to deliver messages that there are different families and before that there wasn't really that was there wasn't really anything in teacher guidance to say you had to do that but if you read the guidance it's really quite watery I got a text from one of the TAs at my school who lives in the community. She said, I'm really sorry, Andy, but you need to watch this video. She said, it's going around the community like wildfire. Everyone's talking about it. And I watched it, and it's a 13-minute video on YouTube. It's, it's, and it's on YouTube now. It's Dr. Kate Godfrey Fawcett, if you had the stomach to watch it. Well, you know, it's not very nice to watch if you're, if you're gay or lesbian or trans. And basically, it's... A woman speaking at a conference in 2018, an Islamic conference, where she talks about what RSE is going to mean for primary schools. And she is very clear that it's going to mean teaching fools about pornography, it's a homosexual agenda, it's a global conspiracy, it's insidious, it's brainwashing children. I mean, it's just awful. And I come from watching it, and I come from my blood running cold, thinking this is going to be a nightmare. Because the problem was, it was during the Christmas holidays, so everyone was talking about it, but we had no right of reply. So it just people were getting whipped up in this hysteria mm. of what RSC was. And very quickly, although she doesn't mention no outsiders in the video, very quickly people started making links. And then rumours started spreading on WhatsApp groups that you have no control over, like he's high-fiving children and saying, I'm gay in corridors, or he told my daughter she was a boy trapped in a girl's body they're making models of sex in reception you know and you can't control that and, and rumors become facts and there's nothing you can do about it you have to just you know because the more you say that's not true <laughs> you know so i have evidence then we had protests outside my school 300 400 strong uh, involving kids it was extremely difficult for about six months Wow, the toll that must have taken on your on your own mental health. I mean, how did you cope with that? I mean, do you know what? I actually, I actually feel it's worse for like my partner because I was getting lots of support from Hazel, who was an absolute rock through all of this. Hazel Puller, the head teacher, she was just brilliant. She was like, "This is important," and you know, it's about equality, it's like British values. So I was getting the support, you know, but my my partner wasn't. He was going to work and worrying about me. He would wave me off in the morning and, he, and I would text him when I got to school because the police were involved and he used to tell me to go to school and back on different routes. I had to have a dash cam fitted so I was vulnerable in my car. 
I had to have a risk assessment for leaving the school every night. I couldn't go to car park on my own. I think at the time, I think actually now looking back, you know, um, I don't know quite how I, g g I did get through it, but I think it's you know I think at a time you you're you're in the bubble and you and you just you just keep going because you think well what's the alternative? You can't stop. You're very strong. That's you know that would take a toll on anybody. I think because you do say six months as well of that. It's very. It upsets me that you had to go through that as well. And yeah, and the social media stuff, you know, I spent, I, the amount of people had to block on Twitter, you know, and just, and just being aware that, you know, every time you Googled, you, you can't help it, you Google yourself and, you know, and there's always some horrible stuff written somewhere, you know, some right-wing paper or some, you know, and it's just, it's, it's relentless, you know. But at the same time, you know, what did happen that was great was the, the support poured in from schools across the country, from LGBT groups. Hundreds of people would send cars to the school. You know, we used to get, we'd get hampers delivered with, like, biscuits for the staff, you know, and stuff. And, you know, and although I got lots of, you know, abuse on Twitter, I also got lots of support on Twitter. And it restores your faith in humanity, actually. It was awful at the time, you know, and um, I think I'll never sort of get over it, really. And I'll never sort of just, you know, it's always in the back of your mind. But... So much good has come out of it at the same time. And so much good has come out of it. There are more schools doing that than outsiders now than I could ever imagine. And that's because the protest gave it a massive platform. And schools across the country were starting to think, well, what are we doing about this? So much so that my job changed at the end of last year. When my school works offered me a job of being PD lead so I could go and do training whenever I was asked to do training. Because before I was doing training but juggling my assistant head role said so like, why don't you just do it full time you know now that would never have happened without the protests it was hard at the time but actually loads of good came out of it more schools are doing it now than than would ever have done it without that injection of um, publicity really and now a charity actually i've got a charity uh that i do in my spare time which again would not happen without the protests so we have a website which is no-outsiders.com and there's loads of information on there okay how can i send my kid to your school <laughs> i'm not sure we'll be in the catchment area because we're in london but i would you are the teacher that i would absolutely love my daughter to have and i'm sure you've been an amazing inspiration and will be someone that as kids get older they always think fondly of and and you'll probably be changing lives whether you know it or not for the better so i hope you well, feel good about that well thank you well, thank you it's really nice of you to say i was i was asked to lead birmingham pride during the protest i was in 19 and uh, i led it with a couple of lgbt muslims because i wanted to make a point i think it's the first time a prize been led with led by lgbt muslims which is fantastic but on that day, a young person ran up to me, you know, and gave me a big hug, and it was an ex-pupil, you know, and it's those kinds of moments that you think, yes, this is it, you know, it's, it's so important that we are role models for young people. Children in schools have got to see that there are different people, there are different people, and it's okay, and, and if anybody is struggling with their sexuality in school, because some kids are going to be gay, aren't they? They need to know that that's all right, and then they're not alone. Visibility. It's so important, isn't it? Well, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Yeah, uh, thank pleasure. you, Andrew. Excellent. 
literally haven't smiled so much. So we want to hear from you. What did you think of the episode? Do you have a problem you want to share? Is there something you want to show and tell the class? Then let us know. You can either slip into our DMs on social media. We are at Some Families Pod, or you can email us at somefamilies at storyhunter.co.uk. So until then, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Bye-bye. This episode was produced and edited by Hattie Moyer. Some Families is a Story Hunter production. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.